Mark chapter 7, verse 14. After he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defiles the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 17. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples questioned him about that parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is it eliminated? He was saying this to declare that all foods are clean. And this is good, because many of us are going to go out today, and we're going to eat the grossest stuff ever. But it's okay. God's like, if you want to do that, that's all good. I would go organic. Um, Okay, verse 20 says, and he was saying, he continues saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these things proceed from within and defile the man. And as you can see in this scripture, this is Jesus talking, very similar to the list that we saw in Galatians 5, very similar to the list that we saw in Colossians 3, but with a few more things added. The one that I want to look at today, there's three that we're going to pull out over the next three weeks. The one I want to look at today is the word wickedness. The word wickedness. Now, wickedness, uh, this word in Greek is one of the many different words that is used in scripture for the word evil. And you think about this list, obviously all the things in this list could be described as evil. Why would Jesus throw in this word that means evil when he's in the middle of a list of a bunch of evil things? Well, this word has a very, very unique meaning, and I want us to look at it, this word wickedness. In the Greek, it's the word poneros, P-O-N-E-R-O-S, and it's very, very unique. There's basically, for this word... To understand the way that Jesus is meaning it in this list of wickedness, why would he use the word wickedness in this list of wicked things? You need to understand what this word means. And I don't mean to get too geeky, but it's really important. When you're studying scripture, you need to dig a little deeper because like wickedness, it's all wicked. You know, well, what is he talking about? And there's basically three definitions to this word that uh, make up the definition of the way that Jesus is using it. The first one of this word poneros is Uh, to be pressed and harassed by labors, okay? When something or someone is pressed or harassed by labors, it's really speaking of bondage, speaking of slavery, speaking of being enslaved, okay? So that's the first definition. The second is of a bad nature or condition. Something has a bad nature or condition. It made me, the first thing I thought of is when your wife sends you to the store, she's got this whole list, and one of the things on the list is to grab a bunch of grapes, bananas, all this stuff, and so you know you're in the list, and you're trying to get everything because you hate being in the store, so you got this buggy flying 90 miles an hour, you know, and you grab a bunch of grapes, and you put them in, you get home, and your wife's like, hey, wash the grapes so we can eat them. So you wash them, and you start eating them, and you're like... You know, they're all soggy. You know those grapes that are soggy and it's like, you know, what bed were those under for a year? You know what I mean? Well, that would be like a Poneros bunch of grapes. They're of a bad condition. Does that make sense? They're of a bad nature or a bad condition. And then the third thing that this word could actually be used to describe is someone who's diseased. Someone who is um, blind or someone that is deaf. You know, that 
and I don't know exactly how they would use it, but that person is Paneros, you know? And so P-O-N-E-R-O-S. And so think about that definition. This is the word that Jesus used in the midst of this sin list. Think about those words used to describe the way Jesus was using it. Spiritually speaking, this sounds like the condition of an unsaved person. In bondage, of a bad nature or condition, diseased or blind, deaf. So this word, the way Jesus is using it, is basically describing like the typical behavior, behavior that's typical of a person that is lost, that doesn't know Jesus, a person who has not yet understood God's great love and has not yet understood what the person and work of Jesus Christ has provided for them. They are still blind. They are still in the bondage of sin. They still have a, a, a nature that is worldly and not godly. And Jesus chooses to throw this into the middle of the list. And the Bible describes this condition as depravity. In fact, some of, your, some of your versions of your Bible, for this word instead of wickedness, it might actually say depravity. Does anybody say depravity right there? No? Everybody's got the same Bible? Okay. Some versions actually say deeds of coveting, depravity, deceit, uses the word depravity there. And it's like in Philippians chapter 2 when Paul writes to the church of Philippi, in verse 15 he says, prove yourselves. In fact, I want you to turn there because we're going to mark some things in this verse. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. I'm going to have you mark some things. I think it's good to make little notes in your Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 says, Prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That word perverse... Perverse there, some of your versions may say depraved. I know if you're reading out of the NIV, which is what I originally started reading and studying and memorizing scripture at, uh, from, it says depraved generation. Okay, he says prove yourselves. He's talking to Christians. He's talking about believers who have said, I follow, follow Yeshua. I follow Jesus Christ. He said prove yourself, Christians, to be blameless. Children of God above reproach. To be above reproach just means that you're above uh, moral criticism. In other words, somebody can, can look at your life and have nothing to say because you are morally sound. You make the right decisions. The overall consistent behavior in your life is that you are of good moral conduct, moral behavior. And he said, children of a God above reproach, above moral criticism in the midst of a crooked and perverse or depraved generation. A depraved generation is one that deviates from what is morally right. And morally good. You guys hearing me? This is really important for where we're going. A depraved generation is a generation basically that turns away from what is godly. They go in the opposite direction of what is godly. And so like when Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 28. You don't have to go there right now. But in Romans, uh, the first chapter of Romans he says. And he's talking about these types of people. People that are still wrapped up in this depraved world. This depraved generation. He said... They did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. He said God gave them over to a depraved mind or a worldly mind to do those things which are not proper, to do those things which are not godly. 
So Paul is even addressing that. And listen, he's on the same train of thinking, the same track of G, uh, thinking that Jesus is on here in Mark 7. Though, though there are some Christians that literally make that conscious decision to walk away from God on purpose. You know what? I'm done with this. I'm gone. I would say that that's not the case for most Christians. Most Christians just kind of forget that they belong to God and they find themselves slipping back into a worldly lifestyle. A lifestyle of depravity, depraved thinking, depraved doing. Look back at Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. I want you to write a couple things off to the side in your margin. It says, prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Right beside prove, I want you to draw a line, or however you want to do it. I always draw a line out to the margin somewhere so I can see it clearly. From that word prove and write, arise and finish. Because that's essentially what that word means. The way that it's word, um, used in that context. It means arise and finish yourself to be blameless and innocent. Children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse or depraved generation. Arise and finish. And then down there where it says perverse generation, some of your versions may say depraved generation. Some of your versions actually say polluted generation. If it doesn't, that's a great word to put right there because it gives, we understand that definition. Okay? So right there beside um, depraved or perverse, whatever your version says, out to the side, write polluted. Now, if your version already says polluted, you can just circle it and do a sad face, you know, whatever. Okay, now I thought about this as, as this word polluted kind of came up. I was looking at this and the word polluted. And I thought about how the air that we breathe while walking on this earth is polluted with immorality. The air that we breathe while we're walking and living our lives on this earth is polluted with immorality. But listen, and listen carefully and write this down. We may have to breathe worldliness but we do not have to exhale worldliness. Let me say that again. We may have to breathe worldliness, but we do not have to exhale worldliness because Jesus has given us the ability to filter out the, wilder, uh, the, the worldliness from our lives. Makes me think of Romans 12, uh, verse 2, I suppose. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to the world. He says, do, uh, but be transformed. That word transform means to change into another form. So the air that we breathe in, there's this Holy Spirit filter, Jesus filter inside of us that when, yeah, we may breathe in that in and I may not can help absorbing this, but what's going to come out is not going to reflect that. I may be in the world, but I'm not going to be of it. Are we, are we on the same page this morning? Okay, to change into another form. And then he goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind, which is basically means by the Spirit, through His Word, change your way of thinking. Let God's Word and the Holy Spirit be that filter of that nasty, polluted, immoral air that we breathe. Now, my overall point this morning is what Paul was getting at in Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. And that's this. We have to begin proving ourselves to be children of God, blameless and innocent in the midst of a depraved, polluted generation. Like, that's, that's a non-negotiable. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, that is a non-negotiable. There's several things as being a Christ follower that are non-negotiable, and this is one of them. We have to begin proving ourselves. We have to uh, rise up and finish the work that He started in us for two reasons. For one, this is the kind of church that Jesus is coming back for. And this is the kind of Jesus that the world will be attracted to. 
So it's really important that we do this. Now I want you to turn to Romans 13. Romans 13. Starting in verse 11. It said, Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. There's that word arise, isn't it? You guys with me? It is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. Arise and wake up. For now salvation is nearer to us than we believed. In other words, Jesus is coming soon. Now granted, this was a long time ago and it's been a while. But I think all of us could look around and say, man, this, this air is getting pretty hard to breathe. I mean, it truly is getting close. Even Bible prophecies are starting to become fulfilled and, and all the things that we see over in Israel and all the things that we can look to the Word and say, man, it is drawing near. Jesus is coming soon. Verse 12 says, the night is almost gone. I love that. Sean, thank you for your songs. The night is almost gone. The day is near, and the day is near. In other words, the time of, of the world being so nasty and corrupt is, uh, corrupt is coming to an end. The light is coming. The near is end. Jesus is come, going to come back and establish a different kind of kingdom, a peaceful kingdom. He says, therefore, us, therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I love that. The light of Jesus Christ is like an armor. So when we go into this dark world... The light that we have is like armor, okay? So the ability to deflect and battle what's coming against us. Are we all, are we, are we good this morning? Okay, let's all make sure that we're listening because this is really important, I think. 13, let us behave properly. Everybody say, behave properly. Behave. As in the day or the way you would behave in the light. Not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity or sensuality, not in strife or jealousy. We see a little small list of foxes right there, right? 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. So we have to rise up, put on the armor of light, and allow the Holy Spirit to finish what he started in us. And scripture says that we can be confident that he will finish what he started within us, uh, in us. Philippians 1 verse 6. But we have to stop making provision for the flesh. And this is just, a, this is just again, a non-negotiable. We have to stop making provision for the flesh. In other words, allowing areas in our lives where the flesh can... can foster and grow and propagate. We can't make provision for the flesh to reign and rule and grow and increase in our lives. It's the exact opposite. We've got to be allowing our vineyards, which is our fullness in Christ, to bloom and to blossom. And so my question as I thought about this week is this. How do we make no provision for the flesh? How do we stop making provision for the flesh in our life? And I was, as I was asking myself that question, this is what popped into my head, and I don't know why, but I'm going to go with it, okay? You guys ever heard of the three wise monkeys? Can we put that up there? This is the three wise monkeys. Now, have you heard of the three wise monkeys? This is the three wise monkeys. Listen, the three wise monkeys is a 400-year-old um, image, these monkeys and what they're doing. It's a 400-year-old Japanese image for a 2,500-year-old Chinese 
code of conduct. And we know it as see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Okay? Most of us are familiar with that. Didn't they make a movie about that or something? You know? Titled that, I don't know. But listen to that. Listen how good that is. I mean, even if we just stop there. Hey, listen, on your way out, just remember. See no evil. Hear no evil. And speak no evil. God bless you. You know? We could do that. But listen, this truly was like a proverb used by them to refer. And and I want you to hear this because this is so good. This was a proverb used by uh, the Chinese and then adopted by the Japanese to refer to a way of dealing with things that are improper or immoral. And, And the idea for them is this. When... Opportunity came for us to be involved in things that are improper or immoral. And this isn't even necessarily from a Christian standpoint. This is just, I mean, this is just life for them. Things that are improper or that would violate their moral code, this is what they say. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. And it basically means look the other way, refuse to acknowledge it, pretend to be ignorant. Why don't you think about that for a second? What if we did more of those three? Look the other way when the opportunity to be involved in something improper or immoral or when it comes at us, what if we looked the other way? What if we refused to acknowledge it? What if we just pretended, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know what that means. What if we pretended to be ignorant? What I want you to do And just think about that real quick. This is the same thing of what we were reading. This is the same idea as do not conform. It's the same idea as as lay aside the deeds of darkness. It's the same idea as make no provision for the the flesh. And what I want you to do is I want you to write these three things down. and, And this is the kind of practical answering to that question. How do we make no provision for the flesh? Listen. The flesh wants to see evil. It wants to see Worldliness, but we look away from worldly, worldly sights because we will set no worthless thing before our eyes. Psalm 101, verse 3. And we let our eyes look directly ahead and let our gaze be fixed directly straight in front of us. Proverbs 4, verse 25. You guys hear me? The flesh wants to see evil. It wants to see worldliness. But we look away from worldly sights. When things that are worldly present themselves, we choose a different route. We choose to look the other way. Now, I don't do this a whole lot. But um, rather than me giving you a bunch of lists, you guys tell me a few things that are worldly sights that we could look away from. Somebody raise their hand and give me an example. That way I'm not just preaching at you, but we're in this together. Victoria Secret Commercials. And amen and amen. Every time Melissa and I are walking through the malls to go get our boys some shoes, okay? We have to like come up with some concocted thing. Oh, look what's going on over here, boys. Look what's going on over here. So they're not like, what's going on over there? You know what I mean? So yes and amen, Mike. Absolutely. Victoria has no secrets. She has proven that. Amen. All right, what's another one? What's another one? Thank you, movies. I was, about to, just, I was just about to say, just because you say this thing doesn't mean it's necessarily a fox for you. 
Though it probably is. Okay, what were you saying? Movies? Movies. Movies. Absolutely. From what standpoint? Like when I go see... Um, the Hangover. The Hangover. Bad movies. Bad movies. So movies that just are improper or maybe even carry strong immoral themes is not something that's becoming of a believer. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure that's what you are saying to me. Okay. What's another one? Oh, wow, that's an interesting angle. Yeah, things that you look at that would cause you um, to be envious or covetous, which there's nothing intrinsically wrong with the car, so that's somewhat of a different issue. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Guard your heart as you use your eyes. Yeah, one more. Okay, hang on to that one, and when we get to hearing, I want you to raise your hand again. Okay? Yeah. But you guys hear what I'm saying? One more, Skylar, you got one? Money. Don't look at money because it might deceive you and take you underground. Dollar bills to the ground. Okay? So think about that. Listen, as we move forward in our faith, listen, it it is not an option. Believers are supposed to, to use the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, our knowledge of Jesus Christ and the way He lived to filter out the air that we breathe and not breathe. Listen, if you're looking at the Victoria's Secret stuff and you're watching the movie, you cannot think that that's not going to manifest or show itself in your life one way or the other. And if you already have a struggle with something that's already in that vein of foxes, all the more. Yeah, I'm not even going to look. Victoria can keep her secrets or whatever. Right? So that's the first thing. The flesh wants to see, but we look away from worldly sights. The second thing is this. The flesh wants to hear evil stuff. It wants to hear worldly things, but we refuse to acknowledge worldly noises. Why? Because we have inclined our ears to the Lord and listened to Him, Jeremiah 7, 26. We have inclined our ears to the Lord and listened to Him that we may live, Isaiah 55, verse 3. Amen? That we may live. Isn't that interesting? That's what we're talking about. We've said that the vineyard is our fullness in Christ or our love for Christ and our life in Christ. That's our vineyard. We want to live. We want our vineyards to blossom. And so we're willing to go on guard against the foxes, whatever they were, especially the ones that come at us as worldly noises and take it to the house. I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know why I thought of worldly noises in this right here where it says um, refuse to acknowledge. And, and bear with me, but and this might be kind of funny, but I thought about cat calls. Isn't what a cat call is? It's when a... Yes. It's whenever someone is... Someone pretty is walking down the street or wherever. You know, maybe there's a pretty lady walking down the street and she's just walking, probably going to buy herself a new purse or something, you know? More than likely. Or shoes. Or a purse to put her shoes in, you know? And some guys are over here looking and they can't stop looking and... And it makes me think of those old Warner Brother cop, uh, cartoons where a pretty lady walks by and their eyes are like, whoop, 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 and tongue drops to the, you know, cat calls kind of thing. Listen, you know, what, what is a lady going to do? She's walking, she hears that, are you talking to me? You think I'm pretty? Oh my gosh, I've never heard it in my life. I want to hear you say it again, you know? No, she's going to keep walking because why? That's so rude. I'm, I'm not going to acknowledge that it's trying to get my attention but i'm not going to acknowledge that and by the way i hate that 
I hate anything that even looks like that, cat calls or anything else. I don't know how many times I've caught some guy looking at my wife or we're out of somewhere. And listen, half the time she doesn't even know I do it, but sometimes she knows I do. And I'll walk over there to him. Couldn't help you notice you looking at my wife. Did you have something to ask her? Either go ask her or stop looking at my wife. Right? One time, me and Melissa, Sean and Brittany, Nick and Tab were camping up in Arkansas. And there was this really cool um, waterfall thing that we found kind of out in a remote area. And you have to drive out to it. But it's really cool. You can swing off a rope into the thing or you can jump off the waterfall. Really, really, really cool. So we're all out there. And we got our bathing suits on. Our, the girls had their bathing suits on. And, um, and there was these three guys, I don't know, mid to early 20s, uh, early to mid 20s. And uh, they were there, and they could not stop looking at our wives. Am I right? Sean, you remember that? Nick, you remember that? And Nick and, and the girls were oblivious. They're just playing. They're having fun. They're talking about purses and shoes, you know. And, and I was just, I was like, oh, God, help me, you know. And we're talking, like, why do they keep staring over? And it's, it's obvious, you know, like those cartoons. Bah, wah, bah, wah. And sure, our wives look pretty. That's why we married them, you know what I mean? But listen, I finally got tired of it. And I just walked on over there to them. I say, listen, those are our wives. <laughs> okay. No, like they're our wives. Like we married them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And they're like, okay. I was like, well, I'd appreciate it if you'd stop looking at my wife. We're not looking at our wife. Uh, yeah, you can't keep your eyes off of our wives. Well, man, we were just, I know what you were doing. And I'd rather you stop. Thanks. And I walked back over and we continued talking about purses. And what did they do, Nick? <laughs> they dang right they left. <laughs> That's what they did. Oh, we better go. He sounded like he might be from Texas. You know what I mean? <laughs> so anyway, listen. There are things. What are a couple examples? Just a couple examples real quick of things, worldly noises that we could choose not to listen to. Yeah. Cynthia. Gossip. Gossip. Amen and amen. You said it. I didn't say it. Yes, ma'am. Melissa, by the way. I met Melissa this morning. Everybody say hi to Melissa. I remembered your name because my wife's name is Melissa. Okay. Negativity. Negativity. I didn't think about that one as I was, I was thinking, but absolutely. Negativity. Things that are just negative. Scripture says that, that um, there's power and life of death in our tongue. You know? And so they may be speaking it, but you know what? I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm terrible at that, by the way. I'm like, what were you saying? That sounds pretty juicy to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk radio. <laughs> we won't listen. We won't list any particular shows, but but you know what? It is true. I mean, there can be some things that you know, media and stuff that um, their presentation of what's going on in the world and the lack of hope therein that can just put us in the dumps. Amen. Ken. <coughs> Yeah, and he totally stole his. Is that so mean? Like you knew he was going to talk about music. And you're just like, I'm going to do it. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, yeah, so you guys are, are both on the same page. Music, I was thinking about how many times that my wife and I are pulling up to the mall or something. You know, probably to buy purse or shoes or something. <laughs> and we're here with our kids. And, you know, somebody drives up and there's this music that's blaring from several different genres of music. You know, potential possibilities. And it's just like profanities and cussing. It's like, yeah. roll up the window, you know. So anyway, yeah. Miss Bernadette. Jokes. Jokes. Funny 
Yeah. Crass jokes, things that are just inappropriate. Yeah. And man, it's so hard because we, that stuff is funny. It's like, yes, that's so funny. Don't tell anybody I heard you say that. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know, that's, that's one of my biggies. You know, it's like just saying things are just on the edge to grab that laugh. You guys know what I'm talking about? And we know we can grab it. If I just insert this, it will take the laughter decibels way to up here. It's like, I probably shouldn't insert it. And when it happens, I probably should say, that wasn't funny. You know, or whatever. It's true. Yeah, so see no evil, hear no evil. Flesh wants to hear evil, but we refuse to acknowledge worldly, worldly noises. And the last one was the flesh wants to speak evil. It wants to speak worldliness, but we will pretend to be ignorant of worldly themes. Okay, we're going to pretend to be ignorant of worldly themes, and we're going to bridle our tongue. James 1, verse 26. We're going to bridle our tongue because we are people who keep our tongues from evil and our lips from speaking deceit. Psalm 34, verse 13. Amen? What are some examples of, and we may have even said some, but what are some examples of speaking evil in ways that we can uh, pretend to be ignorant of such themes? Nick? Lies? Lies? Absolutely. Yeah, well, slow down. I, I, my brain's like really slow. So lies. Yeah, when somebody's telling lies about whatever, um, we choose not to repeat those lies. Josh, did you say something? Cussing? Cussing? Yeah, that's a big one. We could, we could really hang on that one for a while, couldn't we? Because the thing is, there was a day and age when I was lost, I cussed because I cussed. That was part of my language. I mean, this is the way I talked. You say this kind of bomb, that kind of bomb. You're just bombing everybody. You know what I mean? As a believer, I think, and this is one of my, honestly, one of the, I, I probably repent of this more than anything else. I've repented to other people. I've repented to the Lord. I've repented to myself. Um, for, for just, even in jest and in joking, inserting a word that's just inappropriate, again, to get that laugh, or, or totally out of fun and joking, but is it? You know, the more I think about it, even as I'm studying these little foxes, it's like every, every time I, I say a word, even if it's just joking or to, you know, to mock something, is it really, am I entering into this realm of cursing? There's a reason that it's called cursing. Because when you do that, it, it releases something spiritually, I think. Not to get too um, spiritual, but it is spiritual. So yeah, I think cussing on whatever level, certainly the kind where it's just like, this is who I am, I cuss. Aiden. Yeah, yeah. can't even take your kid to the playground and play. Why? Because you've got F-bombs all over the slides. You know, you're, dry, you're sliding down. Woo, what was that? That was F-bomb, you know. So, one or two more. Brian? Prejudice. Prejudice. Speak prejudice th- uh, things. Prejudice is definitely, and we talked about that actually several weeks ago, is definitely a worldly theme, isn't it? Absolutely. Ken? Complaining. complaining. Speaking complaining. Power of... Uh, is life, death, and tongue, however that goes. Yeah, absolutely. One or two more? Unbelief. Unbelief. Ooh. Hang on to that one because that's what we're going to talk about next week. Okay. <laughs> Melissa? Repeating the bad things that other people Repeating the bad things that other people done. Scripture says, um, um, not, not to what, boast about things, others, the gross things that people do in secret. Um, yeah, absolutely. Jacob? What was it? Spite, 
Oh, just being spiteful. Oh, man, why did you have to say that? <laughs> Saying things or doing things, speaking things just out of spite, knowing that it's going to what? Rouse someone? Oh, yeah. Tend to be ignorant of the spiteful things done to you. Yeah. Judging. Judgment. Is that what you said? Yeah. Anybody got one? Stella Malone. Making fun of people. What's the biblical term for that? What's the biblical term for that? Well, the message probably says making fun of people. So, yeah. Slander. Yeah, probably so. Even if they don't hear it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, I heard, a, I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago. A pod, uh, actually, a, a preacher teaching this one sermon. It was actually very similar to the whole series we're in. He was talking about, he got to gossip. He said, you know, gossip, we tend to, to um, um, say, oh, I'm not going to gossip. Those are just rumors. I'm not going to repeat those things. But we'll repeat the stuff that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's still gossip. Just because it's true doesn't mean it's got, not gossip. Well, I don't talk with rumors, but I will tell anybody the truth they shouldn't hear. You know, it's just crazy. Well, listen, I want to I close up today, but um, and I want you to turn to Galatians 6, verse 8. If there's any themes that we should cling to, hold on to for dear life, it would be biblical themes. Amen? Themes that are godly themes, not worldly themes, godly themes. And this is what Jesus is trying to stay, say here and when he inserts wickedness into the midst of all these other big things. It's like wickedness. He's just saying that's a culmination of all those other things. No, he's saying, listen, even the little things, even the things that you don't think are listed in these big sins, there's things that rob our vineyard. Am I going to go to hell for that thing? No, but listen, it is robbing you one way or the other. It's robbing you. That worldly theme that you seem to really cling to is robbing you. And basically, again, I don't, God is gracious, he's compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. And so I don't think that the Lord's like, oh, there's one. He's not, God's not like that. Okay, so don't get into that mode of thinking. But the truth is, is that God lovingly, in his goodness, wants to grow our vineyards. And I was reading in Galatians 6, verse 8, and look at this. It says, for the one who sows, S-O-W-E, uh, S-O-W-S, to his own flesh. In other words, someone who sows in the flesh. And when I, in case you don't know what that means, it's like planting. If you're going to plant something, a seed in the flesh, he will reap uh, fleshly corruption. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. In other words, if that's what you're going to sow, here's what you can expect in your life. You can expect a bad nature or being in a bad condition. You can expect to kind of end up diseased, blind, maybe not physically, but spiritually blind. You can expect to, to come under levels of bondage, really. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, will reap a bad condition, a harassed, pressed by labors kind of a thing. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. One of the purposes of this teaching series is to get down to the nitty-gritty.
talking about foxes. Of course, this is coming out of the, the theme for this year, which is to be found faithful. We want to be people who aren't just going to church, but at the end of the, end of the age, end of the day, we're people that have no faithfulness in our life towards God. And the fox is a kind of a practical response to that overall theme of being found faithful. And we can come into church and we can hear even biblical themes that are so lofty, biblical themes that are like, oh, that is just really good and that is our head in the clouds. Oh, wow. That's, oh, wow. Wow. But then walk out unchanged. You know what I mean? So we can't be a people who are ignoring the little things that will come in and rob. You can have your heads in the clouds. And the fox is down there nibbling the fruit out of your bag. So let's be people who are heavenly minded and spiritual and concerned about those big major spiritual themes, biblical themes, but there's also people who are on guard against an enemy who is counting on us having our heads in the clouds. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Thank you, God.